0: Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lamiller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. On today's show, we're going to take a journey into the world of gay hookup apps. Gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men are increasingly finding sexual partners through apps on their phones, such as Grindr. But these apps haven't just changed the way people are finding partners, they've also changed queer men and gay culture in major ways. So, let's talk about it. We're going to explore how apps like Grindr are different from apps that cater to a more heterosexual audience, like Tinder. We're also going to discuss the good, bad, and sometimes very, very ugly of gay hookup apps. On the one hand, these apps have helped many people to find a sense of community. They have also opened up conversations about sex and help people to find partners who share their interests. But on the other hand, using these apps can be a harsh experience. Prejudice, cruelty, and brutal rejection can be part of the equation. Also, while these apps might make it easier to meet people, they might paradoxically make it harder to find relationships. Toward the end of the show, we'll also discuss how to use these apps in healthier ways if you feel that they're taking a mental toll on you. I am joined once again by Zachary Zane, the sex and relationship columnist for Men's Health, where he writes a column titled Sexplain It. He is the co author of the book Men's Health Best Sex Ever. Zach's latest book is titled Boy Slut, a memoir and manifesto. A quick note about content this episode contains very frank discussion of sexual matters. This is going to be a fascinating conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. Become a certified sex educator, counselor, or therapist with the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. MSTi offers 20 certification options in areas including medical sexology, kink, neurodiversity, and LGBTQIA-affirmative therapy. They also offer a PhD program in clinical sexology that can be completed in two years and meets all ASEC certification requirements. All programs can be completed 100% online and are flexible and customizable to fit your schedule. You can take live courses the third weekend of each month and choose from over 300 archive workshops taught by renowned experts in the field. For more information, visit modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. That's modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. Okay, Zach, let's talk about gay hookup apps, the good, bad, and ugly of them. So as a starting point, for people who have only ever had experience using apps that cater more to a heterosexual audience, like Tinder, how are queer apps like Grindr different from them?
1: They're fucking insane. You you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I, I don't even know. It really is so funny, and I think... Especially for like uh, straight people or straight women who are like, oh, I understand kind of what Grinder is. Like, it, it's kind of like Tinder, right? It's the same thing. I have to be like, it is not like Tinder. It's like Tinder on crack. And then Sniffies is like Grinder on crack. So it's just getting more and more intense. I think what people are surprised about is how many I've had, at least in my life, over 500 hookups. I've definitely had over 1,000 hookups from Grinder and Sniffies and these apps, but I mean over 500 hookups where we have sent less than 10 messages back and forth together. Hey, what's up? Send nudes. They do the same thing. Hey, want to come over? Yeah, come on over now. I send an address. They're there within 30 minutes. We have sex. They're in and out of my apartment within 15 minutes. And then they leave. Like, I've been riding from home for forever, well before COVID. And that would just be my lunch break. Like, I would literally just set something up during lunch, have a guy come over, fuck them, and then go back to work. Everything from the initial message to them leaving my apartment after sex was 30 minutes from beginning to end. So I think people don't necessarily realize how accessible sex is, how quickly and easily you can get sex. It is not this scarce commodity. You don't have to whine and dine. You don't have to woo anyone. I remember just me getting used to like now it's become commonplace. I'm so used to this, but when I first discovered grinder and did this stuff, I was like, "This is insane! This is absolutely insane!" You're doing theoretically something that is so wildly unsafe. You're going over to a stranger's house. You know, theoretically, they could be a murderer. Everything your parents have told you is like, "Do not go into a strange man with candy offering," and versus I'm like, "No, I'm going to go to a strange man offering me sex." And not only that, I'm going to leave my apartment door ajar, give him the – I have codes for at least 150 apartments, if not more, all around New York City to get into these nice-ass buildings. They have given me the code and the pound side to get into their building, which is you're giving this to a complete stranger. You're putting everyone else in your building at risk at this point. But once you kind of get in the groove of it and you get over kind of that fear a little bit, but there is that fear that kind of stays with you, and that makes it fun. There's always that part slightly nagging in the back of my head for every hookup. Is this how I die? Is this going to be it? And I kind of love that. I kind of love, of course, I don't want to die, but like that little bit of fear and adrenaline rush, you know, absolutely is something hot. I mean, I think that's why people love anonymous sex, right?
0: Yeah, now your experience, I know, is not everybody's experience.
1: <laughs> True, of course.
0: You know, some people are not into anonymous hookups. Some people struggle a lot more in terms of making connections with other people. So I just wanted to recognize there is always diversity and variability in people's experiences. But everything you were saying goes back to our previous conversation on sexual risk-taking. You know, grinder and apps like this theoretically you know seem very unsafe in a lot of ways because there's no vetting of users so the person that you're talking to could be anyone and you can share your exact geolocation as you said people often share their address leave the door unlocked and right so to a lot of people that's going to sound really risky and like a place that they would never want to go to other people they're like that's tuesday you know it's like (laughs) or that's my lunch break you know
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Of course, I'm only speaking from my experience right now. I can't speak from anyone else's. Grinder is so unique because, like, this could never exist among straight apps. I think just because there's so much more safety issues that you would run into with a man and a woman and the elements of trust and the opportunity for assault in these spaces. So, like, it literally cannot exist. There can never be a grinder for straight people ever. There's just absolutely no way. I mean, the closest was kind of uh, Craigslist a little bit, and you're able to kind of do that. And the more sexually adventurous of the bunch absolutely would, but there's just too many safety factors when it's between a man and a woman. And while there's still, you know, if you're seeing a six four dom daddy and you're a five foot two twink, technically, you know, there might be some more physical size differences and safety issues, but. Men seemingly are more willing to take on those risks. And for what it's worth, like, obviously, you see stories about grinder murders or like people who really rob you or whatever it is. But those numbers are really, really few and far between. I'm honestly shocked how few terrible experiences happen. I'm not saying they don't happen. Of course, they absolutely do happen. But I just really would have assumed it would be a hell of a lot more.
0: Yeah. And, you know, part of me wonders if it goes unreported because, you know, there is that shame associated with reporting experiences where you've been victimized. And so I wonder if it could potentially be more common than we know that it is. But I've also been thinking about, you know, what are some of the reasons why men might be more comfortable with this type of setup or arrangement compared to women. And I think you hit on a big one, which is in terms of the perceived safety risk and so forth. I see that in my research that when you ask women and men about their attitudes toward casual sex, safety concerns, physical health concerns, you know, certainly are much higher for women than they are
1: for men. It was also the only way gay men could have sex. You know, up until recently, we didn't have rights, you know, for lack of better words. And you could get fired for being gay and everything was done surreptitiously and in the shadows. And cruising wasn't a fun kink the way it is now for many people in the United States. It was the only way you could have sex with men safely without getting fired, without, you know, being found out. So a lot of it comes from a place of necessity. We had to have these types of encounters. And so I still think that culture and everything still lingers today. Because that was, yeah, the only way you could have sex for many men.
0: Yeah, and I think that's such an important point in all of this, is that if you look at the history of queer hookups, a lot of them have been anonymous and have had to take place in secret in the shadows. You know, it couldn't be something that was out in the open because you could get arrested for it. And you know, the consequences for your reputation, your livelihood, all of that would be very severe. So I think to some extent it was normalized to have more of these kind of anonymous sexual interactions. And then the internet came along and just kind of facilitated that. Right. So it just, it's the same thing, just changed form to some degree. And now it's easier to find than it was before exactly so you've talked about how next to prep you think Grindr has had the most significant impact on queer men and gay culture in the last two decades so let's talk about some of those impacts now much has been said and written about the negative impacts so let's start with the positives instead what are some of the ways in which apps like this have had positive effects on individuals and on the community
1: I think, I, I was so ready to shit on these apps right now. You saw the <laughs> smile on my face. I'm like, oh, let me lean into how much they've destroyed certain elements of uh, gay and queer culture here. But I think it's fair. They have absolutely allowed us to connect with other queer men. And when you're coming from a place where maybe it's illegal being gay, or there's a lot of discrimination, or people are just not out, to be able to meet and connect with other queer men, gay men, gay bisexual men is a blessing. You know, before the internet, how would you have met people? I guess you would have been cruising, but now you can actually have conversations talking to other people in your area. You can actually potentially meet up with them. Is it ideal that like a 16-year-old gay boy in Alabama is lying about his age to be on Grindr because that's the only way he can kind of find connection and make real connections with other guys in his area? No, and I think that's really sad, you know, that that's often where these younger gays look because there are so few other resources to meet up IRL in these places that discriminate against LGBT people. But I rather him have that, not the hookups, but I just mean the sense of community being able to talk to someone. But I also think it allows people like for so long gay bars were the only scene in order to meet people. And that works for people like me. I love going out to gay bars. I'm sociable. I love drag. I love drinking. I meet people. But if you're someone who is sober, if you're someone who's more introverted, if you're someone who is a gamer, or for whatever one of a million reasons, you don't want to go out and meet guys in a community at a gay bar, you are left with very little options, very few options. So I think Grinder. And when I say grinder, no, I mean all of these apps, Sniffy's, Scruff, Jacked, Hornet, Adam for Adam. They're 10 million at any given moment. But all these apps allowed you to meet and connect with other people who also don't necessarily go out to gay bars. And that's not their scene.
0: Yeah, so it is for some people. It's a lifeline. It's a sense of community. It caters more, I think, sometimes to certain segments of the community that just doesn't have other options in terms of how to get out there, how to connect, and so forth. Now, I want to go back to what you said about gay bars, because a lot has been said and written about how Grindr has killed the gay bar, right? So over the last two decades, queer spaces have been closing in droves around the country. However, I feel like there's been a shift in the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic which was a time that actually accelerated a lot of these closures. We lost more of these queer spaces. And I think increasingly LGBTQ people recognize the importance of having their own spaces, physical spaces that exist outside of their smartphones. You know, I think a lot of people thought these apps were great at first, they were a novelty, but they still want the dedicated queer spaces. When LGBTQ rights seem to be on an upswing and You know, same-sex marriage was happening, granted nationwide and through other countries. Like, the need for your own dedicated queer spaces might not have felt as high, but I think now we've had this kind of boomerang effect. You know, being able to meet and interact in person is a bigger priority following lockdowns and quarantines. And having that physical sense of community is all the more important in a time when LGBTQ rights actually seem to be eroding.
1: I remember this idea that Grindr was killing the gay bar and that assumed that people were exclusively going to gay bars for sex. And that was one of the many reasons that people were going to gay bars. They were going to see drag community, hang out with friends. And I think when we experience more Discrimination and more you know legislation that's attacking us. We almost see the value in these physical spaces because we're not taking them for granted. We also want to make sure we can meet out and keep these spaces and we want that social connection. So I, I think that could also be happening as well. But I never quite bought, and like again, like you're the researcher here. like the data was never like causal. It was never like grinder. like absolutely shut down this gay bar we were seeing fewer numbers and maybe that was one of a gajillion factors that were influencing it. But I think gay bars will be here to stay. And if it maybe is allowing people who actually didn't want to be going to gay bars to not go to gay bars. And if so, that's a beautiful thing. Now they're able to connect with other people in various ways that they actually prefer. And we should be encouraging that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with you that you know this idea that Grindr killed the gay bar is an oversimplification. Certainly, I think it played some role in terms of it's maybe one not- of many factors one of many factors, but there were so many other things that were happening during the same period of time. One is that, you know, being gay went more mainstream in terms of levels of acceptance. And so you started having more non-queer people who were coming to the bars and, you know, the rise of bachelorette parties showing up. And, you know, they didn't, I think for some people, feel as queer as they used to because it, became kind of so mainstream for people to go, it became cool for straight people to go to gay bars, right? And so that created a different atmosphere and vibe. But there was also the fact that a lot of gay bars were opened up in areas of town that were economically depressed, and then those areas gentrified, and then the bars ended up closing. And so, you know, I think there were so many different things going on here, but yes. <laughs> now, grinder has made it easier to find sex, obviously. But has it made sex better? So with apps like this, you can filter the people you see so that you can kind of, you know, only look at those who share your sexual interests and you have this opportunity to discuss ahead of time exactly what you want. So do you think it makes it easier to get the kind of sex you want?
1: I think it's probably made it easier to explore and to find other people with similar kinks. We are so used to on Grinder just showing pictures of our zoomed in asshole. You know what I mean? And after that... <laughs> After that, when, when that is the norm and that is the standard here, I feel like that weird anonymity that kind of came from it allowed people to be more honest in expressing their sexual kinks and desires and to express exactly what it is they want to do. So I think in a way, it probably has made it easier for people to connect with other people who have similar sexual desires and fetishes and kinks and to get what they want sexually in that regard. I've noticed that gay men on these apps are very direct and clear about what it is they are trying to do. I want to do XYZ, do you want to do, and this person says I want to do ABC and you find some overlap in a way that is like very admirable. It's it, it's so efficient if nothing else. You know what I mean? Like it really <laughs> is just like all right, are we a match? Yes, no. And if not, hopefully the people are like no harm, no foul. I'm not into this and then you move on to the next person. Of course, not everyone responds kindly. And there's a lot of problems with that. But I do think you're able to connect with other people who share similar sexual desires and fetishes. And I think that can allow to have a better sex life. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think it certainly facilitates a lot more conversations around kink and and other things like that, in part because there is that anonymity, which can reduce inhibitions, make it easier to talk about these things. And people just in general often have an easier time typing something than they do actually saying it, right? So it's very different to have a conversation about what you want sexually, like in person with somebody that you've just met, as opposed to a stranger on the internet. So. I'm curious for your take also on how Grindr has impacted gay men's relationships. You know, grinder has certainly made it easier to find sex, but has it made it harder to find a relationship? And I'm also wondering, related to this, does it make it harder to maintain a relationship? You know, I think online dating in general has made relationships challenging in terms of like getting them going because you'll start dating one person, but then you're getting messaged by other people and it can always seem like there's something better coming along. So what do you think in terms of the impact
1: on gay men's
0: relationships.
1: So first, just to be clear, I'm not speaking in absolutes. Nothing is absolute (laughs) for some gay men. It's literally, they were able to connect with their uh, now husband online. And it was absolutely amazing. The process was streamlined and I'm very happy for them. But I think a lot of us, you just kind of have all of these options always at your fingertips. And it can be very easy to immediately move on to the next person when something does not is not perfect in your relationship because there's always a guy 500 feet away who's down to fuck. You know what I mean? Or you're getting messages or nudes. So I feel like sometimes we are a little bit too scattered-brained. It's the option of choice. You know, we have so many men now versus before it was so hard to meet and find one openly gay man in <laughs> your town. You know what I mean? So if you did You fucking made that shit work because who knows? Who knows when's the next time you're going to find the openly gay man in your town? I feel like people really were working harder to make relationships work versus now. I think you might be a little quicker to jump ship. And I think there's a lot of temptation of my gay friends who have been cheated on and who some of them cheat. Most of the time they are cheating or cheating on is through these apps because it's such an easy, simple transition from not cheating to cheating versus like, okay, I didn't go out to a gay bar alone, got drunk to try to cheat. It was, oh, my boyfriend knows, like, I'm allowed to send nudes to guys. That's not cheating. Uh, I watch porn, so what's the difference between sending nudes? I'm allowed to send nudes to guys. Uh, okay, he sent a nudes back. We started flirting and sexting, and okay, now we did a FaceTime. Whatever it is, before you know it, you end up at this guy's house. And so it was kind of a small... You didn't start there, but it's just always so tempting. It's always right there. You having a bad argument with your husband, and you know, grinders right there, and you can use it as a distraction. So, I think in that regard, I think it, it is causing certain issues with connections and sustaining, and also creating, you know, fulfilling relationships.
0: Yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. You know, certainly you it's do, a mixed bag. Yes, you know, people who have met long term partners, whether they're monogamous or consensually non-monogamous they met their partners through these apps other people have never found a partner (laughs) of any type other people it's just sex you know so again everybody's experience is different but something i have heard from some of my friends is that they're on these apps using them having a lot of sex and they're waiting till they meet the person who makes them want to give up the app (laughs) like there's somebody who's going to make them like stop wanting to have sex with other people and i'm like you know i don't know if that's going to happen like it's normal to be attracted to other people (laughs) so i'm not sure that maybe that's the right mindset or approach for this
1: You know, again, everyone is different. But I do think those people have this unrealistic expectation that they're immediately going to meet someone, fall in love, and it's going to be like a rom-com. And sparks will fly and they'll know immediately versus a lot of the time you need to connect with someone in order to have this. And a lot of what it is, it's like, those might be the same guys who are not going out on dates. So they're just literally having these 20-minute hookups and expecting that in those 20-minute casual encounters, they're going to meet the love of their life. And I'm not saying they can't, but you're not creating a suitable environment to meet the love of your life. You're not going out on a date and actually getting to know them. And even I've had incredible fucking sex on Grindr many times, uh, quite often, and and then afterwards I'm like, okay, that was that, and that was a lot of fun, and now I'm moving on to the next because I didn't see them as a potential romantic partner. So I think when you're putting yourself in these positions where – You're only having casual hookups, and then you're surprised why you can't meet someone. I'm like, you need to go out on dates. That's how you meet people. You need to have communication. You need to connect. Sending someone a picture of your dick, fucking them for 10 minutes, and then not talking to the game—that that's just not how you are most likely going to find a boyfriend.
0: Yeah, I think it's so right that you need to invest if you want to really open that possibility for a relationship to happen. And part of it is just our romanticized ideas of kind of how a relationship is going to start. It usually doesn't work out like it does in the movies. Now, some people have very positive experiences on Grindr. They get lots of compliments and validation, but at the same time, a heck of a lot of people have negative experiences. And experience cruelty and prejudice and brutal rejection. And we know this can happen in any online space. Whenever people have anonymity, that can make it easier for them to engage in bad behavior. And every sex and dating app struggles with this to some degree. So I'm curious for your take on how can we build better apps or modify these apps to reduce some of that really toxic behavior that we see?
1: That's a million-dollar question, right? I feel like apps are really (laughs) trying to do this right now, but it is just how racist, femme-phobic, fat-phobic, HIV-phobic, transphobic, femme-phobic. Like, you would hope that queer men would be better. You would hope that for people who have been marginalized and discriminated against for something they cannot control, their sexuality would be equally as understanding and kind to other people for other factors that they can't control, like their race or their fucking status or their fucking whatever the fuck it is. Like, God, like we're fucking terrible too. And I, I don't know why, like an idea I would love. Sorry, I'm like stressing myself out here talking about this, but it's like, fuck, like I wish we could do better here, but we don't. And it's really sad and upsetting how mean and nasty we are to one another. I don't know how to solve this problem. Even just the issue of like people originally, I think Grinder did have filters by race and then they removed the filters by race. Am I correct on that? I, I think that's what it was, but essentially they were just like hey. I believe that's right. And they did that in an attempt to be like, hey, um, we don't want white dudes just only fucking messaging other white dudes. And like that didn't help, right? That didn't solve any race issues whatsoever. It's I don't know if it's that there has to be less anonymity, if that's what it is, so people feel a little bit more held accountable for their actions. Like if there's an app that would connect it to your twitter or your instagram or your email or something like that so people are held more accountable for their actions but then what so then people screenshot this and then share online like that's not ideal and also a lot of people are not out which is why they use grinder and sniffies in these apps so they wouldn't feel comfortable connecting to you know a social media account i don't know if it's a problem that we can fix from an app perspective, you know, like, oh, if there's, you just make these changes on the apps because it's something that is within gay and queer men. You know what I mean? And so we need to attack the issue at the source here, not just call out these men, because I think we know that necessarily calling out and yelling doesn't achieve anything, but seeing what the fuck is going on with these guys. You know, guys who are assholes to everyone online are not happy themselves. You know what I mean? They're they're struggling with their internalized homophobia and self-hatred, and they're projecting their anger onto other people. I'm not excusing their behavior. Their behavior is still atrocious. Their behavior will still hurt other men. But if we actually want to implement change, it can't be like, again, as I said earlier, when we just kind of say, fuck you, you're a piece of shit, the response is not to say, oh, thank you, I'm going to reflect on my choices. The response is to say, fuck you, to dig down even deeper So really getting at the root as to what is wrong with these people who are behaving terribly and trying to help these people because, not to sound cliche, but they always say, like, hurt people hurt people. And I think that's what's going on here. And so addressing larger issues within the gay community would be the way that we can stop with these people being, you know, all the phobias that I previously mentioned and them being just raging assholes. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a big question and there are no simple answers or solutions. The apps have modified themselves in a lot of ways, you know, like, I think Grindr recently added something where you can say whether you're comfortable receiving nude photos or not, because not everyone wants to receive an unsolicited nude. And so, you know, they've tried to make modifications to the apps over time to try and reduce unwanted behavior or behavior that might make people feel uncomfortable, but there is no simple, easy answer. You know, like, in my ideal world, everyone would be a verified user and, you know, there'd be, like, verified Yelp reviews for
1: people on the apps. But that would quickly spiral into someone just got rejected and they hate that, so then they are vindictive and just write this terrible, it's ter- there's no easy solution.
0: No. And and I say, you know, in my ideal world, like you would do these things and it would work, but it absolutely wouldn't right? because you know the people who write reviews. And then there's also the issue with verified identity. Yes, as you mentioned, not everybody's out. There are risks associated with that. So it's like, I don't know the solution. I don't know if any of these companies know the solution, but they're trying some different things
1: to figure it out. And as much as it's very easy to shit on all these companies, I, I respect that they're trying, you know, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're working on it. Uh, whether they're succeeding is a, another thing, but at least they're acknowledging that there are these issues and we're trying to work towards solving it. But one thing that's interesting, a little bit tangential to what we're discussing, is there is no gay-specific dating app. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed this? Where it's just like, I think Tammy tried to have one for a moment and the gays, the ones that specifically are like, Hey, this is for dating and relationships either quickly spiral or devolve, I guess is the word into a sex app or because a part of me is like, I'm always trying to recommend guys who are like, yeah, I can't meet someone. I'm only meeting guys on Grindr. I'm like, Oh, use an actual dating app. And so I recommend places like hinge or Bumble, which are LGBTQ inclusive. Obviously they have filters to just search if you're gay for other gay men but i think it is telling that there's no gay specific dating app and if it was potentially lucrative it would have been done yeah so the fact that it hasn't been done means that i think it just devolves too quickly into a sex app but I, it's a shame because i feel like having an actual dating app which is just kind of like like it should be like an app just called like no nudes and that's the name of it where you're like not allowed to send nudes you ha- or like dates only whatever it is you actually have to go out on a date whatever it is I think that's interesting. Yeah. And there's something we said about that.
0: Yeah. Now, we're running short on time, but I have one last question for you about Grindr and other queer hookup apps, which is how people can use them better. So a lot of people who use these apps feel like they're soul sucking. You know, they're consuming a huge amount of their time. There's a lot of brutal rejection, and it might be taking a toll on their mental health. So what are some tips you can share on how to use these apps in a
1: healthier way? I mean, the answer is using these apps less. If you're noticing that it's having a negative experience, an impact on your life, use it less. And of course, that's easier said than done. We are so addicted to using these apps, but there are some kind of tools or little shortcuts or whatever the word is that you can use to stop being on it all the time, like number one, do not get notifications to your phone. Like that, that is absolutely the worst thing you can do. And as long as I've been on Grinder and apps, I have never done that because I know if I have once every hour someone messaging me a nude, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to get any work done. You're not. Gonna, you're going to be on a date, and if your partner, your phone's blowing up with nudes, you're going to want to check it. So, absolutely, do not do that. I set timers. Like if I'm horny at night at like 9 p.m. and I'm trying to fuck someone and I will set a 15-minute timer being like, if no one is en route or wants to do this, within 15 minutes, I'm going to jack off and go to bed. And it sounds silly, but otherwise, I mean, any queer man who's been on the app has definitely been on it for an hour or two hours and been like, What? how did I just spend an hour on this? You know what I mean? Like time really does fly. So I think limiting the amount of time you're on it and then not pretending that you're using Grindr for anything more than sex, right? So especially when I say those people who are really committed and looking for a serious partner, I really do recommend that they use Hinge or Bumble or an app that really caters more to dates and relationships if you want to just have casual sex and you're in the mood for that, then go on Grindr. But don't delude yourself in thinking like, oh, I'm going to find my boyfriend on Grindr. Yes, plenty of guys have, and of course you have, but I think there are better apps that are more suited and cater to that. So make sure you're actually still going out on dates. Make sure you're using these other apps and you're only using Grindr to kind of scratch that itch. The last thing I'll say about this is when people are dicks to you, block. Just block immediately. Do not engage. Do not attempt to change their mind. For your mental health, just block and move on. You do not have time for these people. You do not owe it to these people. These people are looking for fights and arguments. You are most likely not going to change their mind.
0: Yeah, (laughs) nothing productive ever really comes from arguing with strangers on the internet. And if you're somebody who is encountering toxic behavior, yes, the block button can be very handy. You can also try other apps because you might encounter a different pool of people. And and different apps might cater to different segments of the community. So if it seems like a bad fit for you and it's negatively impacting your mental health, Exit the situation and try and find a new one. But I think the other thing that I would say here would be it's really important to not take rejection too personally in online dating, no matter what app you're using, because... Rejection happens a lot. It's a normal part of online dating. And rejection doesn't mean that you're not a worthy person or that you're not a good person because sometimes you're just not a match for someone else. So we have to get in that mindset of recognizing that you know rejection is okay. It's par for the course. You're not going to be
1: a fit for everyone and just move on and look for the next one. And of course, that is easier said than done. Rejection is so painful and saying oh, just try to take it less personally. Of course, it's quite challenging to do so, but it is something that can be done over time. I also have a chapter on rejection (laughs) in my book, Boy Slut, A Memoir Manifesto, coming out May 9th. Had to do one more plug. But that is something, a skill that you can learn to get better and better with rejection over time. Yeah.
0: It is not a switch that you can just flip and, you know, (laughs) rejection suddenly doesn't hurt anymore. But yes, there are things you can do to help with that. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Zach. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and to get a copy of your latest book?
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for turning my uh, ramblings and synthesizing them and making them coherent. I very much appreciate that. But um. So yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Both of those, my handles are Zachary Zane underscore. The underscore is at the end. Also, ZacharyZane.com is where I have all my information. And you can buy my book, Boy Slut, A Memoir and Manifesto, anywhere books are sold coming May 9th. Last but not least, I actually have a digital zine, also called Boy Slut, but this one is nonfiction erotica. So I write a lot of my sex stories that happen, and I have other writers too. So you have kinksters across the globe sharing their real sex stories that happened. And that was just the side project that people loved it, and I loved writing it. And it is so fun and so raunchy and so ridiculous. And if you're someone who enjoys erotica and queer erotica, I highly, highly recommend it.
0: Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, SexAndPsychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want and Zach's new book, Voicelet. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.